Good morning, everybody. This is uh, part three and the final part uh, of our series on Shabbos. Uh, we entitled the overall series The Sanctity of Shabbos, and we began two weeks ago with an introductory shir about the spirit of Shabbos and how we don't just need to follow the halachos, certainly not only the don'ts and not even only the do's, but also have that experience of hopefully a kind of a spiritual rendezvous, a kind of reunion with Hashem, a little oasis in time. Um, and that was the first year. And then in order to kind of hopefully uh, set the context for that, we did feel, as we always do, that it's very, very important to balance uh, the more, uh, you know, so to speak, philosophical or spiritual parts uh, with the more concrete uh, and practical parts of Shabbos or any of the halachos or topics we've been doing over the last few years. Um, and therefore, we've been accompanying that with uh, a halachic component. And uh, unlike, I think it was two years ago when we chose to spend a few weeks on the laws of candles, so now we moved on and we've been spending time learning the laws of Kiddush. And uh, the truth is, you, 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 to be completely, completely comprehensive, we would need even more than two shurim, but uh, we will uh, suffice our learning with some of the highlights that we did last week, and then what we will complete uh, this week. And what will be next week? I don't know. It'll be a surprise. Right now, it'll be a surprise even to me. And eventually, when I know, then you will know. Uh, I haven't picked what the next series will be, but in Hashem, we will be able to continue. But this is the end of our Shabbos series. So very, very briefly, what we learned last week was about the source of the mitzvah of Kiddush. Everyone agrees that that is uh, based on a mitzvah from the Torah, from the Aseris Adibros, no less, Zachar Yom HaShabbos Lakacho, and that is understood to be the source of Kiddush. What was less clear and perhaps more complicated than most people would have otherwise thought, was what part of Kiddush, or what aspect of Kiddush is part of the Zachor Es Yom HaShabbos Lakacho. Is it the wine, or is it the words? And we actually saw a very big machlokes um, about that, but that we generally assume that it's the words uh, designating with our words, and therefore hopefully our heart, Shabbos, is the real mitzvah, separating it from the days that came before. According to the Rambam, that's also what Havdalah is, separating it from the days that will come after, and that is the mitzvah. However, to add luster, to make it a little bit more impressive, you know, like we would do a toast, right? It becomes a little bit more chashuv if we do it over wine, and therefore we, uh, we do that. Uh, we mentioned that uh, the practical ramifications of this could be, could be many. It was a little bit debated how far you'd want to push the envelope, but if it's really only the words, does it have to be those words? Uh, what about just uh, davening Friday night, Kabbalah Shabbos, or Baruchu, Boikala, Boikala, I'm acknowledging Shabbos, I'm welcoming Shabbos. Um, or we saw Rabbi Kivager said even just saying Shabtatava or Good Shabbos uh, might be a way of already, you don't say that on Wednesday, I hope, unless you're weird. Um, so, Maybe that would be enough, and if that's the case, what does that mean when the husband comes home, if he davened, if the wife didn't daven? We saw a lot of you know, discussion about it, but the upshot was we really don't rely on that, unless it would be a really uh, uh, difficult situation. And in the most part, we assume that the best way to fulfill the mitzvah is not only with the wine, but even the words that were specifically mentioned um, in, the, in the Kiddush uh, in our benchers. Anyway, we discussed that, and then we finally discussed the issue of women's obligation, and we said that, uh, as we say in L'chadodi, Zachor v'shamor b'dibor echad, that the mitzvahs of Shabbos are indivisible, just like women are certainly obligated in the don'ts of Shabbos, they're also automatically obligated in the do's, and therefore women are obligated in Kiddush, and therefore, from a strictly halachic perspective, there would be no problem with a woman making Kiddush, not only for herself or for other women, but even for her husband or for uh, the family. That it's not done is both tradition and also because, 
as we said, in traditional Judaism, not only in terms of our custom, but even in terms of a hashkafa, the titular head of the family is the husband, although I did point out, as I acknowledge, that everyone knows that the boss is not the husband. Uh, certainly the husband better know. Um, but uh, the titular head in, in the Jewish family, when we say the balabais makes kiddush, or the balabais makes emotzi, so that is generally assumed to be the man. But from a strictly halachic perspective, uh, there would be nothing wrong with a woman making Kiddush, and certainly the more important point, since I don't know that many women who are just dying to make Kiddush uh, for the family Friday night, but the more important point is to know that if there is no man, there are sometimes women who are widows or divorced or never were married, or her husband is sick, or it could be all sorts of scenarios where there is no man, you shouldn't think that you can't do it or you don't have to do it. On the contrary, you're obligated to do it, you can do it, <laughs> and you have to do it. Okay, and then last but not least, and this will be, uh, we'll touch a little bit on what we get to, I hope, for today, as we also discussed the mitzvah of Shabbos day Kiddush. That is not considered as significant. That is only rabbinic. That is only mi Um And we shall, but women are obligated in that also. And we, we touched on briefly, I think, with some of the questions that were people were asking me, if I remember correctly, this is how it came up. Um, the fact that um, both nighttime and daytime, although it's more of a challenge during the day, uh, you're not allowed to eat or even drink anything, really, until you've made Kiddush. And it's not usually such a big deal on Friday night, you know, against, unless your husband really schleps coming home from shul. Um, but Shabbos day, it could be that uh, if you're not, you don't start lunch till who knows when and if you didn't hear Kiddush. So the answer is, we said, really, the, the better thing is for a woman to make Kiddush for herself at home uh, and then to eat. Although we did mention from Rosh Hashanah Norbach that he, uh, post facto, uh, Bidi Eved, he defended the practice of many women who don't make Kiddush for themselves and still nevertheless eat something if they're hungry. But really the better thing would be if you want to eat uh, is to make Kiddush. Okay, I hope, time permitting, that we can get to four topics about the details uh, of Kiddush now. And the first one I want to discuss, um, which is uh, close and dear to my heart, uh, which is do you have to drink wine or not? I.e., is grape juice good enough? So my mother-in-law is smiling because this is a thing in our house. Uh, the only time we break out the wine is when she's there. <laughs> now, some might suggest that it's because she's with her son-in-law that she needs to have the wine. I don't know. But uh, most of the people in the house uh, take after me, and we're not such big wine drinkers. Uh, my daughter married into a wonderful family who are very big wine drinkers. Uh, so it's a little bit of a... We've overcome that in order to have a, a big, happy family. Uh, but every now and then, they will send with my daughter and son-in-law, like as a gift to us, you know, if they were at their house first, then come over to our house, a bottle of wine. And we, we, we thank them, and then we let my mother-in-law know it would be a good Shabbos to come over, because a good bottle of wine is in the house. Um, so... It's a very long discussion, but I, I just tried to reduce it to some of the basics. And it really connects to something which we might have been familiar with in a slightly different context, which is the idea of what's called mavushal. Right? We know that there's two types of kosher wines, and mavushal literally means cooked. Right? They boil up the water. Again, you can Google it if you want. There's even, I think, probably videos on the OU website or Kedem or other places. It's a pretty interesting process and pasteurization and how they do wine nowadays. Usually when we think of that, or think of it in terms of a different halacha, which is not our topic, but maybe it would be good for a series, which is the whole idea of bishul akum, or stam yenam, uh, the idea of kosher wine. And if it's not mavushal, even a non-Jew touching it could be a problem. That has to do with waiters, and you go to the restaurant, or the wedding, you know, the fancy, and the fancier wines are not cooked, so it could be complicated. But most, most, most kosher wines uh, are cooked, and that way it makes it much less complicated uh, in the whole production process, etc. But... But that's why, if you've heard the term of Ushul, that's probably the context in which you've heard it. However, if you take a look at source number one on your sheet, you will see there's actually a much more basic question going back all the way to the earlier sources, which is, perhaps if you cook the wine, it's not even wine anymore. 
I don't know enough to know, but apparently you change the taste. I guess that's the reason why people who are connoisseurs prefer the non-mavushal. Right? But there is a change that happens to the wine. So would that degrade its status in terms of a bracha? Now, before you look at me, like some of you are already looking at me, but you're crazy, right? Like, that's because you're used to always making hagafen. But if you think about it for a second, we have this concept in brachos, right? If you took an orange and you ground it up, you changed its form, it's not a ha'etz anymore, it's a shahakol. Take potatoes and you grind them up, they can become a shahakol, not a hadama. So there is a concept that something can be changed and it affects its bracha. The question is, is cooking wine such a process? So if you see in source number one, this is actually a machlokas. None other than Rashi. This will be a, a su- surprise number one of the, night, of the day. Rashi said, if you cook wine, mavarachan alav shahakol. Rashi said it's not wine anymore. Therefore you would make a shahakol on it. Others say the same thing. And their assumption is because it's what's called mishtan ligriusa. It's downgrading or degrading the wine. And therefore it's not in its... Just changing it per se, right... It had a cantaloupe, now it's, it was a whole cantaloupe, now it's in pieces. It hasn't really affected it. It wouldn't change the bracha. But if you change it in a way, especially if it degrades it, it's not considered as good, so that's when we sometimes say you would change the bracha. So these authorities hold that when you cook the wine, it has significantly changed it to the point that it shouldn't have the bracha. Okay, we're not discussing now the idea of where does a guffin come from. That's a bracha's question. But you know, we've taken it for granted in our whole lives, perhaps. But the truth of the matter is, why should a guffin be different than any other? The only, thing that, the only drink that's not shahakal is... Is, is wine. So why should it be different? The answer is because it's somehow special. But maybe if you cook it, you make it just like every other drink. Maybe it should be shahakal. That was Rashi and other people's opinion. However, other authorities uh, point out that there seems to be a proof against this. And the proof comes from the Gemara in the, in the Yerushalmi, towards the end of the second line, where it points out there, there's a source, again, our, the context, or the details, I should say, are not important for us, but the upshot of that Gemara is that you could use cooked wine for the four cups on Pesach. That's a Gemara. So these other authorities argue on Rashi, and they say if you can use four cups, you can use, excuse me, cooked wine, mavushal, for the Pesach Seder, what does that clearly imply? That is considered wine. If you assume that you need wine at the Seder, so then that seems to be a proof. Okay? And therefore, presumably, you should be able to make a, a kiddush on cooked wine. So in source number two, the Beis Yosef, who of course was Yosef Karo and He's more familiar with and as a resident, if you will, of the more Sephardic tradition. But he quotes there from one of the Ashkenazi German Rishonim, the Sefer HaAgur, who says, Minag Ashkenaz, Lakadish al Yain Mavushal, Im Einlo. So he says, that this is, we're still talking hundreds and hundreds of years ago, this machlokus is fermenting. Mm-hmm. Not bad, no? Clever? Mm-hmm. Um, it's developing. Um, and the Ashkenazi Minag in those days was against Rashi. They actually would make Kiddush on cooked wine when there wasn't an alternative. However, he then adds, or perhaps theoretically, maybe the cooked wine's better. It's not objectively, not every cooked wine will be worse than every non-cooked wine. I'm not a connoisseur, but I can, that seems reasonable to me. So it's kind of like, uh, we're not sure, but basically seems to be okay. And then at the end of the source, uh, he points out that we can always be more lenient during the day Kiddush, because daytime Kiddush is less serious than nighttime Kiddush, and okay, maybe that. So how does this play out practically, halakhically? Take a look at source number three. And once we do this, we'll be ready for the grape juice discussion. Says the Shulchan Aruch, Mekad Shin Al-Yan 
Apparently, we're not going to discuss now the issue of additives, adding honey to the wine. I don't know what that would do to the taste. I guess some people would like that. Um, but says the Shulchan Aruch, strictly speaking, we paskin, like we've all used, thought your whole lives. The cooked wine does not change the bracha. It isn't still, in fact, hagafen. However, others say no. Maybe you shouldn't make it. So basically, the Shulchan Aruch punts. He just quotes both opinions. very diplomatic. doesn't really seem to rule. However, the Ramah says there at the end of the line, as we already saw, what is the common Ashkenazic practice? Says our practice is widely an Ashkenazi community that we do make kiddush even on uh, cooked wine, and perhaps even when we have alternatives, certainly if we don't have alternatives. Okay, so I'm not. This is all just by way of background, because among other things that happen to grape juice. It is certainly cooked and pasteurized. They also add lots of sugar and all sorts of things, which is why I like it better. The question is, is grape juice the same as cooked wine? And we even saw this honey thing, so maybe it should still be fine for Kiddush? Or perhaps it's worse. Or even if it's the same, but we did see there's some level of discomfort. Not everyone is thrilled with this idea of making Kiddush on Mavushal wine. So where does this fit in? So it's a whole discussion. A lot of 20th century posts can discuss it. Um, and as I say, there's also a lot of interesting stuff on the internet about it. But just to give you a, what I think is the bottom line, is in source number four. And this is the tshuva of Urvavaj Yosef. And there you see for the first time today, you have the words inside. She'ila, mitz anavim. Grape juice. Or wine that went through the talishal pistor, right? Pasteurized. Can you make a bracha on them? You make kiddush on them, or maybe second line, they're like mavushal, which at least according to some poskim is not even wine anymore. It's shahakol, and this is especially a urgent question for Ravaj Yosef because he's Sfardi. He always follows the Shulchan Aruch, and the Shulchan Aruch wasn't so clear. The Shulchan Aruch just brought down both opinions, so you could certainly see someone who had a little bit of halachic anxiety. Lex be machmir, if you're Sephardi, especially, might not want to use Mavushal. The Ashkenazim perhaps are in a better situation. So the upshot of all of this um, is that he proves from a number of places, and he's quite prolific. Uh, I gave you, you know, six or seven lines of like a multi-page tshuva. He, he quotes everything. But his upshot is he thinks, at least according to some opinions, that this whole theory about how Mavushal um, might change things he thinks that that's really if you super-duper-duper cook it. He's not sure that what we do for grape juice would be the same. Moreover, he's particularly sensitive to this idea of adding the sugar and everything that they do with modern grape juice. Maybe that should be similar to the honey, and not everyone was happy about that. But he says where it's underlined, you see here, he says he thinks only though, he says the Gemara and the earlier authorities are talking about something much more extreme than we do. If they cooked it so much or they added so much honey that it didn't have, it didn't look like wine anymore, it didn't... It's true that grape juice doesn't taste the same as wine. But you don't get confused. You know that they're cousins. And if you look at it, it certainly looks the same. He thinks that when the, when the earlier authorities were arguing about it, and there were some who said, no, you can't do it, that was even more radical a change of the taste, perhaps even a more radical change of the appearance that we do in grape juice. Relatively speaking, he says, we are cooking it relatively not that much, boiling it not that much. The change in taste is a little bit, the change in the smell, the change in the appearance, and therefore it still has the status of wine, and he thinks there's no problem, that's his bottom line. But You can make Kiddush on Shabbos and Yantif 
on grape juice. But one could understand, just now that we've kind of very, very briefly seen the surview of this topic, that there are people, aside from the people, there are many people who do like wine better, that's for sure. They, they, they do exist. Their last name's not usually Gottlieb, but they exist. Um, but even if you didn't necessarily like wine better, one could understand from a strictly halachic perspective. You know, I would call it a chumrah, but it's not a crazy chumrah. A person would say, especially Friday night, I'm not but to have uh, wine. There's a, there's a place for that chumrah. Or some of you may be familiar, and this is something, so I'm not makbet on that 50, you know, one weeks a year. But there's one time where it is more common to be makbet on, some of you may be familiar, that is at the Seder. Right? The Seder really is a question of how much do you like that wine, and how much can you tolerate, because four cups of wine could be a lot. Especially if you want to be singing, you know, uh, who knows one, uh, by the end of the Seder. Right? Some people will be very much asleep if they have too much wine. Other people will be way too awake uh, if they have too much wine. Either way, it won't be good for the, song, for the singing at the end. Um, so not everyone wants to or could have four cups of wine. So it's a big discussion about the Seder. We're not discussing grape juice at the Seder now, but as you probably know, many, many people do drink grape juice at the Seder, and there is a strong basis for that. But even those who drink grape juice at the Seder, like me, a lot of people try to have wine for the first cup. Because that's Kiddush. And as we've seen, Kiddush is not 100% clear. There is room to be machmir to think that wine is better for Kiddush. So if you always had wine or like wine, or you or your husband are makbid to have wine, it's a very good chumrah. It makes sense. And if you like wine, even better. If you don't like wine, and you haven't been typically machmir on it, don't feel guilty. As far as I'm concerned, you can keep on doing the grape juice. Okay, that was topic number one. Topic number two. Schnapps. Whiskey. The hard stuff. Can you substitute that and have that for Kiddush or not? And of course, you all are familiar with the fact that this is a somewhat popular custom on Shabbos Day. So why, don't any, why doesn't anyone do it during the evening? So the answer to that, as we have seen previously, and we saw this last week, is that Shabbos at night, uh, excuse me, Kiddush at night is a mitzvah del Raisa. And even though, according to most people, having the wine is not the daraisa part, that was an additional rabbinic, but it was clear in the, in the Gemara that need wine, that needed yayin. It was mentioned by one of the questioners last week, um, and I'm not planning on spending time on it now because it's so rare that we would even have the shayla, but if you have no wine? Yes, the halacha is, as someone mentioned last, yes, last week, you can make kiddush on challah, not hagafen for the record. It's still hamotzi. But you would say the introductory things, and that could count as your... Kiddush and Hamotzi at one time. But again, it's very, very rare that any of us in our, you know, we're not a soldier stranded somewhere without wine or something like that. It's very typical. In our typical lives, it would be very, very rare that this would become practical. So I don't want to spend too much time on that. But we know that you're supposed to have wine for that. But that's the But all those sources we saw last week were about the Friday night Kiddush. What about the daytime Kiddush? Can you substitute something like schnapps, whiskey, uh, vodka, who knows what, for that? So take a look at source number five. Shulchan Aruch says, Again, you have to understand, we live in an unbelievable time in history where we have access to everything, even in Israel. <laughs> yeah, there used to be a time where they could get it in America, but you couldn't get it. You had to wait six months to get something in Israel. Right now we can even get, uh, you fill in the blank. Certainly if you live in Ramat Chemish or places where a lot of uh, Anglos, right? we have all sorts of things here. But, let's, but most of human history didn't obviously have the wealth or the distribution that we have currently. So people lived in places where there was no wine. So it says the Shulchan Aruch, if you're in a place that has no wine, so some say 
Okay, in those cases, Makachin al Shekhar, you can make uh, Kiddush on some kind of whiskey uh, or schnapps. And really any drink that is considered the drink of the place, except for water. Water is, on the one hand, both the most necessary thing, but also the least important, or at least chashuf. And therefore, water would not count. But if you're in a place where this is what they drink, it could be orange juice, it sounds like, or something else. And certainly if it's whiskey, says the Shacharach, if there was no wine, that would be okay. But then the Shacharach says, Other people say, no, still no good. Still no good. Comes along the accepted opinion, and that's the next view. You see at the end of the first line, source number five, Ula Harash. He quotes the Rush, Rabbeinu Asher, one of the great Rishonim, and he makes a compromise. He splits the baby. Says the Rush, at night, Balayla, Loikadash al Shekher, El Alapas. Again, why the bread is better is not our topic now. But he says you cannot use whiskey at night. Not orange juice, not Coca Cola. It has to be wine, and if there really is no wine, then you have to use bread. And if there's no bread, okay, then what can you do? You just have your Friday night meal. Again, thank God we don't live in situations where that would be that common. But that's the halakha according to the rush. However, during the daytime, if you have a choice, better schnapps than the challah. But it still seems like from this, as the Shulchan Aruch brings it down, and you see this again in source number six, that the Shulchan Aruch's view, and this is really the straightforward view for much of halachic history, is that schnapps should not be used even during the daytime, Kiddush, unless you don't have wine. It's not considered an equivalent substitute. It's the evid if you didn't have wine, so schnapps was good. And where, this is a similar halacha, some of you may know, to Havdalah. Basically what the Rush is telling us is that when it comes to Havdalah also, but it's also by the daytime Kiddush, there's no halacha that you need wine. We add a drink, as I say, to add a little luster to what we're saying. But it has to be wine. The term that is used, that didn't come up, I don't think any of the sources we just read, but a term that is common in a lot of other sources is Hamar Medina. Hamar Medina is actually a very elusive term to pin down halakhically. But it means the type of drink that is considered common and respectable in your local, in your social circles, in your society, in your generation. It's a big issue in Havdalah. There are people who sometimes make havdalah with grape juice. Uh, no, grape juice, that's easy, I should say. I mean, orange juice. What about coffee? What about Coca-Cola? It's a huge discussion. The details would make your head spin. And a huge machlokim. Milk. Petel. All these things are discussed in Israel versus America versus England. What's considered a chamar medina? And it really could change from time and place. Ramosha Feinstein says, and not everyone even agrees with this, but the rule of thumb that we often use, Ramosha Feinstein says, for a Kiddush for the day, or for Havdalah, Chamar Medina would mean something that you would offer someone to drink if they were visiting, even if they weren't thirsty. I mean, thirsty, you could give them anything, and even water is maybe the best thing. But sometimes you show a person a certain kavod, but often, would you like some tea? So there, it's not serving the function of I'm thirsty, it's quenching my thirst, but there's a certain, it may not be wine, but there's a certain luster, a certain chashivas to that. That's Rav Moshe's definition. And then the question is, okay, in your culture, does juice count? What about crystal light? It's really water, but you added the powder. You could go, go down the rabbit hole. Okay, no one really talks about that for Kiddush, but they do talk about that for Avdallah. But the one thing they do talk about for Kiddush during the day, as we've seen from the rush, is what about the whiskey or the schnapps? And so far, what we've seen is a limited heter. If you don't have wine, then yes, you could use the whiskey 
or the schnapps. And this is exactly what uh, the Shulchan Aruch had said. And this was more or less the accepted halacha for hundreds of years. However, if you look at source number seven, the Mishnah Bura cracks open that. You know, there's a little doorway. We have a little bit of an opening. The door is a little bit open for the whiskey lovers. The Mishnah Bura, quoting earlier authorities, kicks open the door a little bit more. He says at the end of, source, of the end of the first line of source number seven, what if you have wine? There's plenty of wine. The Rosh was describing the Middle Ages, where if you didn't live in a place where naturally you could grow wine, not everyone lived in that part of France or wherever, who said you could get wine? Who was transporting it? But now in, in the pre-modern time, 1800s, 19, early 1900s, 1700s, it was more easy to get wine. It wasn't impossible to get it, but what about if it's very expensive? And again, you have to remember, for most of Jewish history, most Jews were dirt poor. So you could get it. It's not the Middle Ages anymore, but it was expensive. Says the Mishnah Bura, B'midina Seinu, Shayayin B'yoker, V'rov Shtiyas HaMedina Humishar Mashkin. It wasn't like for early parts of the human history where wine was just the drink. Now all of a sudden wine is expensive and it's a delicacy. Most people don't drink wine, says the Mishnah Bura. Nagu Afilu Gedolim, Says the Mishnah even Gedolim in his day were not so mockbid to get wine because it was just too expensive. And they relied on having whiskey. So we now have a second possibility. The door is open a little bit more now. Even if you have wine, but if it's more expensive and it's cheaper with a cheap bottle of schnapps, then maybe that would be another reason and another place you could be making. Now, I still don't think this would make some of your husbands happy. Because nowadays, you can certainly get wine and you can get cheap wine. So this would not necessarily be a license for all the Hasidim or other people who like to make Kiddush on whiskey just yet. However, take a look at the third line in the Mishnah Bura. We see the Lamed. He says, well, there are those who have an even big, a, a new leniency. Im chavivlo yayin saruf. Yain Sarov is the kind of traditional halachic term for what we would call whiskey or schnapps. Yochel Kadishlov Bayom Lachilo Minasenu Shuchamar Badina, etc. Says Mishabru now we have we try to kick the door even wider. Maybe if people really like whiskey, so then for the daytime kiddish, that's also enough. Because maybe here, and here you have Mishabru mentioning that term I mentioned previously, Khamar Medina. In a place where whiskey is not only widely available, but this is, and this is certainly the case nowadays. Uh, it used to be that you would say this is more in the non-Jewish world, but in, in recent years this has become, and I don't think this is necessarily a good thing, but it's a reality, that drinking has become much more acceptable in our community. Um, but certainly, you know, in popular culture, you, you know, a business meeting, or you go out for this, to have a drink. It's not always wine. A lot of times it's, you know, can I get you a, a drink? And they, they mean something that's, you know, brown, not, 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 not purple, not red. So, if that's the thing, says the Mishnah Bura, people like, and this is considered a hush of a drink where you live, maybe that's also enough to have Kiddush during the day. Just if you like it. Now, where would this come from? Why would we all of a sudden be allowing this? Moreover, the question would be now, let's say I have the schnapps. How much do I have to drink? This is also, I think, I didn't discuss this intentionally. I didn't intend to speak about this at all last week, but I think it did come up a little bit in one of the questions. We generally assume that to make Kiddush, you have to have what's called a revis, 
And you have to drink a majority of that. Now, how much is that? It's roughly speaking the amount if you would take a thing of, uh, of any drink, okay, just try it with and ha- one cheekful. It's a few ounces. It's not that much. Some people are very machmir, just like the people who are machmir have a lot of matzah. Some people are machmir on how they evaluate what this revius is. We know that all of the, the measurements in the Gemara's time were not meduyak, whether it was in, you know, liters, milliliters, kilograms, pounds, weight. They didn't have those measurements. Those are all modern terms and inventions. We're much more precise in the modern era. The time of the Gemara, they say, well, like an olive size, like an egg size, like a dried fig size. Kazayas, so this, a caribbean. So it was always very hard in the modern era to figure out how to translate that into something we could quantify with modern measurement. And there's a machloka, some people have a bigger kiddush cup, a smaller kiddush cup, but it's not that big. And a majority, 51% of that, is certainly not that big. But still, think of a kiddush cup, and not the biggest kiddush cup you have. It's a few ounces, according to Moshe Feinstein, is probably enough. Okay? But that's a lot bigger than a shot glass. Now, I know you're thinking there are some people who are happy to fill up the Kiddush cup with the, the whiskey. But is that required? And it's now that you're letting me, even if it's just that I like it better, which it clearly is a huge leniency, right? The original permission for schnapps was what? If there is no wine. Second leniency was, okay, fine, you can get it, but it's expensive. And now we've gotten to a much bigger leniency. Well, if you just like it better. So you could already understand, number one, why many, many people would just say, why are we even going there? That's clearly not what the halacha prefers. Halacha prefers you should make wine or grape juice. If you want to have a schnapps, have it with the gefilte fish, have it later in the meal. Not, not for kiddush. You could understand, that's a, you know, and I generally, I, I, you could count on one hand and you'd have fingers left over the times in my life where I've made kiddush on schnapps. And I'll tell you about the most public story of that in a minute when I did do it. And a certain person whose husband is in the room, uh, whose wife is in the room, rolled his eyes at me, Rob Shore. Uh-huh. Rob Shore. <laughs> and he based, and because of that, I gave a whole shear in honor of Rob. But which I'll tell you all about in a second. But, how much do you have to have? If I'm already going to be lenient and have and rely on this opinion, again, how often in any of our lives would we have no wine or grape juice? It could happen. But it's not, really most people nowadays, if they're making kiddush on schnapps, it's because they want to. So okay, the Mishnah Brewer said it was okay. I'm not going to be firmer than the Mishnah Brewer, but it's clearly not ideal. But take a look at the Mishnah Brewer. Go back to the Mishnah Brewer himself. He says, second to last line, third to last line. Ach yizaher likach kos machzik revius ulishtos bimenam lo look mofshu revius. Says the Mishnah Brewer, I'm going to give you a leniency that you can have the whiskey, but I can't give you a double leniency and say you can make it on a shot glass. That's way too small. You have to have the regular kiddush cup. Fill it up with whiskey, and you have to drink at least half of that. 51%. Now, again, some people will say, no problem, the rabbi said. But other people will be like, oh, it's a little much for me. Now, I was never there, but it's pretty well known. Some of you would know the name if you're from America. That Rabbi Yudin was a rabbi in Fairlawn for many, many decades, and a big tzaddik. If I understood correctly, I've heard this from more than one person. I think in their, sh- in their shul, maybe it was one of those shuls where like every Shabbos there was a shul kiddish, and the rabbi would make kiddish. And he always made Kiddush on schnapps from a Kiddush cup. It was a known thing. That was Rabbi Yudin's thing. Okay? Fine. But bottom line, if you've ever been at a Shabbos table with people who make Kiddush on schnapps, were they holding a Kiddush cup? No, 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 no. 
So now we have our fourth and final leniency, which is, can we, can we justify the minog, which is typically known as the Hasidish minog, and lots of people are selectively Hasidish. The Hasidish minog, which has been a common Hasidish minog, I mean, there's a reason, I just, you know, I, anyway, um, where not only do they make Kiddush on whiskey, even though they could get wine, and it's not that expensive, sometimes the scotch they're buying is a lot more expensive than the wine they could have gotten, and they're having it out of a shot glass. That's a triple leniency. Can we justify that? Not in the Mishaburu, we can't. So there we need to go already to the mid and later 20th century. And here, the basic leniency, and I, I will summarize. You have in source number 8, number 9, but we're not going to do it inside because it's going to get late, but I will summarize. Even if you take a look at source number 9, you'll see he quotes a number of Hasidisha sources. Even look at the top line of source number 9. Ha'av Bezid of Rupshitz. Some of you may be familiar, one of the most famous early Hasidic leaders and giants and tzaddikim, Naftali Rupshitzer. Right, the Rupshitzer was a very, very famous tzaddik. And he quotes others, the Lubliner and Kamarna, other Hasidic Rebbes. This became a thing, it was known as a Hasidic thing to make Kiddush on schnapps. And even with the, with the shot glass. So where did it come from? Can we justify it? Or is it just one of those things where we say, no, Hasidic made up their own rules. So the answer is, there are, have been attempts to justify it based on the following interesting machlokas. And this we'll do outside, but I'm kind of summarizing you, especially source number eight, and a little bit source number nine. <clears throat> Usually, you're familiar with the fact that when we have to eat something or drink something, we make a bracha, no matter how little we're eating or drinking. You don't, you don't, you're not supposed to take a bite until you make a bracha. But what about the bracha after the fact? Bracha acharona, Brain of Ashot, Alamichia. There you have to eat it or drink a certain amount. Right? That's the same reason why when we have matzah, you have to have a certain amount to make it a significant amount. So usually we say for, for, for a drink, let's say for wine, to make then the al after the wine, you have to have the Revias and drink a rover Revias. A very interesting machlokas in the world of brachos, we didn't get to Shabbos yet, the world of brachos, is that an objective fixed amount? It doesn't matter what you're drinking. Or maybe that's because usually that would be considered a chashev amount of whatever the liquid is, the drink is. But if you have a particular drink in which what's considered normal and chashev is a smaller amount because it's so strong, maybe the whole shear should change and you need to break up a corona even on a smaller amount. And that was the machlokas a few hundred years ago. Nothing to do with Kiddush. Between two of the greatest commentaries on the Shulchan Aruch, the Magen Avram and the Taz. The Taz says it fluctuates. And he says specifically, if you make, if you, ha- if you have a leave a shot class of whiskey, you have to make a bracha chron on it. Even though that's less than revius. He says, yeah, but that's the normal way to drink scotch, to drink whiskey. And the Magan of Rome says, no, 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 no. There's one sheer for drinks. That's called revius. It doesn't matter what. You might make a shakal before you have the whiskey. If you only have one cup and it's less than revius, then you don't make a bracha chrona. It doesn't matter that this is the normal way to drink it. It's a fixed measurement. That's a machlokas. So some want to suggest that that's really the whole question about Kiddush as well. That the Hasidim are relying on the other view. Which is a bona fide view. The view of the Taz. <coughs> and again, it's actually a chumrah when it comes to brachos. Because when it comes to brachos, the Hasidim would say, you must make a bracha chrona even after a small amount of schnapps. But why would you have to make a bracha chrona? Because you say that's already significant. If that's significant for the bracha chrona, what's it also significant for? 
Hakidish. So all of this is a long and detailed way of telling you that there is basis for the increasingly popular minhag of certain people, whether they look Hasidish or not, to drink schnapps for their Kiddush. Um, I would be hesitant to tell certain people that they, it's better to make it out of a Kiddush cup. You have to know the people that you love, uh, whether that would be a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, they might find a new chomer that they like, drinking a full Kiddush cup of schnapps. Um, but from a strictly halachic perspective, that actually would be better. I mean, it would even be better just to have grape juice or wine, in my opinion. But if you want to rely on the leniency of schnapps, it would be better to have a full Kiddush cup. And then, I mean, and then drink half of that. But if, if, if you want to use the prevalent minhag, which really is the Hasidic minhag, to drink even a shot glass, so there is a basis for it. One could defend it, and, uh, you know, all of a sudden people discover I'm really Hasidish on my mother's brother's sister's brother's side, and that is where it comes from. Okay, you know, uh, I'm not sure that everyone has all these cheshbonos in mind, but the true story I want to tell you is, I think it was two years ago, we were having Simchas Torah in the shul, and it was outside, and we were dancing in the Hakafos, and we had the Kiddush. And I don't think they could find the grape juice. Or if they could have, it would have taken some time, and everyone has patience, uh, especially on Simchas Torah. So somebody just gave me a shot glass, even though it's totally atypical for me. And I, because apparently that was out, because it is Simchas Torah. And I made Kiddush on that. And there were, maybe there was more than one, but I definitely remember my dear friend Rob giving me a look like, you made Kiddush on schnapps? And it wasn't a big cup, it was a shot glass. Rob's a Tamachacham. He was like, you can't, that's wrong, how'd you do that? So my first instinct was, oh, I'm the rabbi, how are you questioning me? <laughs> but then I thought about it, I said, hey, Rob's a good guy, he wouldn't, he's not trying to embarrass me or upset me, maybe. And then the next Shabbos, I gave a whole shir on this topic, in which I basically said it was a mistake, I probably shouldn't have done it, I should have waited. But given that I did it, I could rely on the Hasidim, I could rely on the Taz, I could rely on the, etc. Uh, but uh, to Rob's credit, he's no Hasid. So, uh, <laughs> and even the Mission Bird says, again, even if you're doing it, and that's when people told me, oh yeah, Rabbi Yudin, the big cup. Anyway, so there's now a concerted effort from certain members of the shul to get me to drink schnapps every week. Um, and I'm trying to resist, but I keep on losing. But anyway, uh, I, try, I still generally don't make kiddush from it. I can't remember, again, two or three times in my whole life. Uh, but basically, uh, those members of the shul who looked at me funny, they really were right, I, I think. Um, and it's better not to. But again, there's a common minute to do it, and there is what to rely on. Okay. Why not white wine? That's fine. That's also fine. Really? I think so. Oh. <laughs> I think so. I'm just wondering, because... We've never made Kiddush on Really? Yeah. It's an Indian that comes up more in uh, Pesach. Pesach, they talk about having red wine because of the blood. Uh, but I don't think there's a reason not to have uh, white wine. If you like it better or it's a fancier... We do, we do Okay, yeah, exactly. Yes, I'm not a fan of white... Yes, exactly. Okay, fantastic. Exactly. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I'm with you. Okay, let's do two more topics quickly. This is very practical for everyone in the room. Least practical maybe for me, but really practical for everybody, which is, who should drink? Do you have to drink? Okay, let's say in a typical two-spouse family, the husband's making kiddush, dad's making kiddush. Do you have to drink? Can you drink? Of course you can, but do you have to? How much does the person making kiddush have to drink? How much, or if at all, do other people have to drink? This is a very practical question. Especially if the person's making kiddush has something you don't want to drink from. So this is a discussion that starts in verse number 10. And there, the Gemara just says very straightforwardly 
The Gemara seems very clear that the person making Kiddush has to drink this Rove Revius, 51% of the Kiddush cup, let's call it, to be simple, at least. And if he drinks that much, you're Yotze, and if not, not. It doesn't sound like it is incumbent upon or we can rely on anyone else drinking. It sounds like it's all on the person making Kiddush. However, in the Shochan Aruch number 11, he brings down from earlier sources that it's actually not so simple, and it is a mach locus. So the first opinion that he quotes is, what if, for whatever reason, the person making Kiddush didn't want to drink anything, but one of the other people, Echad HaMemesubid, someone else at the table drank the whole thing, or, you know, the 51%. For this opinion, that's okay. For this first opinion brought in the Shulchan Aruch, one person has to drink the amount, you can't divvy it up, a teeny bit to ten people. One person has to drink the amount, but doesn't have to be the person making kiddush does not have to be Abba or Daddy. Okay, and let's go to the middle line, second line, source number eleven. Yeshomim, but there's a second opinion. As long as combined by everybody, Shebein Kulam, we combine it all, and more than fifty-one percent of the kiddush cup was drunk, that is enough. Because according to this second opinion, Shtias Kulam Mitzarefes Lekashiur, we can add up. Everyone who heard the Kiddush together, and that could be uh, enough. And it sounds like, according to this opinion, also the person making Kiddush doesn't have to drink at all. Let's say I already made Kiddush, and I'm coming home, I don't want to make more Kiddush. Or let's say I'm not in the mood, or I don't like it, or uh, whatever. So I, maybe it's just it's a very traditional house, Daddy always makes Kiddush. So he makes the Kiddush, but then he divides it up among the four or five other people at the table, and he doesn't drink anything. According to the first opinion, you're not Yotzeh at all. Well, the second opinion, you would be Yotze, even though the person making Kiddush didn't have any of it. But then he adds at the end, that it's still better, that it's better that the Makadesh, the dad, Abba, whoever's making Kiddush, should have at least a little bit. After all, he made Bar Priyagafen. So a little bit. But then the rest can be divided up. Again, all this is in that second opinion. According to the first opinion, only the Makadesh has to do it, and that's it. So how do we paskin on this question? So basically, what you see from the Mishnah Brura is that basically, ideally, 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 the person making Kiddush, the Makadesh, drinks that shiur, the minimum amount, the 51%, at least, by himself. If other people want to drink, they certainly can. And if you go back in the Shulchan Aruch, it even says, Mitzvah min amufchar. You do not have to drink. I'm talking about Friday night specifically. We'll get to shop this morning in a second. You do not have to drink. You meaning anyone else at the table. You do not have to drink. Most, most Friday nights, my wife does not. Every now and then she surprises me. And, you know, I always look to her first. Do you want? She usually says no. But if she ever was in the mood and wants, she could. And it's a mitzvah minimum of her. It's a schus to have a kosher bracha, to have a taste. It's a little bit of a skula. But you don't have to. But the ikr hadin is that the, according to the, the, the ideally, the person making the kiddush, has to drink that minimum amount. If other people want, that's preferred. But if, for whatever reason, let me just finish the thought, I'll take your question one second, okay, I promise. But if, for whatever reason, even if I drink a little bit, as the one making the Kiddush, but I'm not in the mood, I'm not feeling well, whatever it is, and I'm not going to drink the 51%, so we really hold like that second opinion. We hold that, you see here in the Mishnah Rishos number 12, it's not ideal, but if, if necessary, you could rely on Everyone joining together to add to that 50%. Uh, percent.
Again, you don't have to. The real strict letter of the law is, as long as the person making the Kiddush had the 51%, no one else has to drink anything. If I'm not in the mood to share, I just drink half the cup or more. I don't have to give anything to anybody. And you're all Yotze, if you listen to the words, said Amen, etc. But if I want, I can have half and then give you. And if I, for whatever reason, need to, we can even divide up that half among everybody. But that's not preferred, but it is allowed. Yes? We had a case once where my husband had made Kiddush uh, and he drank the minimum amount that he has to drink. And then we had a guest who was supposed to be coming for lunch, arrived late, um, and they hadn't had Kiddush, right? So he offered them to make Kiddush for themselves. And she said, I don't know how to, can you make for me? Does he in that case have to drink the minimum amount a second time? It's an excellent, excellent question. Okay, everyone here, again, it's a little bit different than, it's, it's a nuance on what we were talking about, but it's a great question. Um, you're, but it could also be a similar scenario, uh, which is, let's say a husband just had Kiddush Yishul, and he comes home to make Kiddush for the family. It would be, in a certain sense, the same, same question you asked. Does he, making Kiddush a second time, for his wife, for his family, in your case, for the guest, have to drink? It's the same question, so, but it's, a, it's an excellent question. And the answer is, somebody has to drink. Again, Bidi Eved. But does he have to drink the minimum a second time? No, 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 no. He could even just taste a little bit and then give. Right? right? But in that case, really, he's already was Yotzi. But it would be better if he drank a minimum and then gave. Okay? But I think what your husband did was, the, the better thing would have been for her or anyone else to do it herself. And if it was Shabbos morning, was it Shabbos morning or night? Shabbos morning. So Shabbos morning, just in case it happens again. Again, I understand that some people are going to be uncomfortable, even though it's just a few psukim and it's an adventure. But let's say somebody doesn't want to do it. Just burn a prayer coffin soon enough too. But yes, it would be enough to just take a little bit. But, but the other person, the guest or the family members have to drink. The minimum amount has to be drunk by somebody. Or again, we saw by combined. That's not, it's not ideal, but you could combine. Okay. Okay. All right, so hopefully, I hope, I hope, I hope that is clear. Um, but that is all Friday night. What about Shabbos morning? So most views are that it's the same. There's no difference. A Friday night is the Arisa, Shabbos morning is the Rabbana, but it's the same rules. Just, you should be aware, in source number 13, there is a brisker chumrah. I... That's for those who know that might be redundant because brisk is usually associated with chumras. But this is a brisk or chumra. It's not even, I don't mean that colloquially. In source number 13, this is, do we have any here, no one here from South Africa, right? We have Great Britain, but I don't know if we have any South Africans here, right? So, Rav Sternbach, Rav Sternbach, he should live and be well. He's 90 something years old. I don't think he hit triple digits yet, but he's on the way. He lives in Harnof now for many years, but before Harnof, he was in South Africa. Before that, he was actually from London. He went to the famous Schneider's Yeshiva in London. So Rav Sternbach, who's the head of the Eidah Haredes in Yushalayim now, so source number 13, he quotes, and other people quote the same thing, that he heard from the Briskarov, Velvul Soloveitchik. You can't get more brisk than that. That he felt that Shabbos morning, ironically, paradoxically, even though Shabbos morning is less strict, it's only Durabanan. Friday night is the real Kiddush. But he felt that Shabbos morning, he had a Chumrah. Everyone has to taste Again, the minimum shear still has to be by the person making the Kiddush, ideally. But even if he drank all that, everyone has to taste. To use the, my personal family example, if I would say to my wife, do you want, she would have to say yes. Or I wouldn't even ask her, I would just say, you have to drink a little bit. He says only by Shabbos day. Why? 
Because he holds that even though Friday night, the real Kiddush is sanctifying Shabbos. That was last week's topic. And then we throw on the wine on the side to enhance it, to add a luster. But he says, but Shabbos day is different. Shabbos day, he understands, the idea of Kiddush is that I made a Borei Priya Goffin, but not Stam. I did it in honor of Shabbos. But the essence is the Borei Priya Goffin, not the other stuff. Which is why I say to you, really, really, you don't even need the other Pesukim on Shabbos day. Just the Borei Priya Goffin could be enough. So he says that's not only a leniency that you only need the Borei Priya Goffin, it's a leniency which really reflects the orientation, that the whole thing is the drinking. So how could I be okay if I didn't drink? That you have to drink a certain amount. Okay, that you can rely on the husband to do or whoever made the kiddush. But everyone has to drink. That's a brisker chumrah. And you have people who are mocked, but in certain families where everyone makes drinks Shabbos morning because of this. Although even Rav Sternbach points out, you know, towards the bottom, that this is not the commonly accepted view. And he points out, even in the yeshivas, they're not usually mocked like this. Now maybe in the brisk yeshiva they are, I don't know. Probably they would be, I would think. But he points out that it's not generally this is the chumrah. You should just be aware if you're looking for a chumrah and you like wine, this is a, a new chumrah for you. Or if you're ever in a house and you see this is what they're doing, now you know where it comes from. But bottom line is, if you don't, if you haven't done it or you don't want to do it, I don't think you need to make yourself crazy because I don't think this is a, what, accepted beyond the four walls of brisk. You should just be aware that there is such a chumrah out there and maybe, ironically, Shabbos morning could be more strict in that way. Last but not least, our fourth and final topic uh, for the series. Sorry, Let, would that refer to adults or children too? Assume anyone. For sure adults and maybe... Uh, no, but maybe children who are chinuch age. If you want them to fulfill the mitzvah chinuch, then according to him, you'd have to have them drink. Last but not least... Right, so I say we're mekel. We're all mekel. Okay. Uh, last but not least, the question of the cup. Now this actually, you, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but there's actually so much literature, we could have spent the whole sheer, I admit it probably would have been a boring sheer, but a sheer just on the details of the cup. Not only the size and the material, whatever has a crack and have to clean, keep it clean. There are all sorts of halachas about that. Koshal bracha is a whole, but I want to focus on just one aspect, which is the practical part, theoretically for us. Especially at a shul kiddush, or labdafka, it could be even sometimes at home, Shabbos morning, more than Friday. Can you use disposable cups? Or is it? Okay, we got a machmir. <laughs> we got a frumi. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, can you use disposable cups? Again, at home, very few people are going to make kiddush. The husband's not making a kiddush from a disposable cup, very rarely. But you still might want to use all those cups you give it out to people in. And certainly it happens at bar mitzvahs or kiddushes. People have disposable cups. Some of you may, may have, if you're, if you're paying attention, some kind of a, a thing that the men get all excited about more than the women, but sometimes they give the person, like at the kid, a double cup. They give two cups. Anyone ever seen that? Anyone know about this? So where does it all come from? What's the issue? So basically, uh, to sum it up, and I still have five minutes to go, um, but we're going to finish it in five minutes, there's basically two issues. One issue Ramosha Feinstein raised, which is that you're really supposed to have a nice cup, a hush of a cup. Take a look at source number 16, the Magen Avram says, even if the bottom of the cup, the base is, is cracked a little bit, meaning it's not going to affect the wine, because it's not the part that holds the wine. <coughs> that, you can say, is a really, really deficiency. No, even if the base is cracked a little bit, you're not supposed to use that, unless it's, you have nothing else. 
And says Rav Moshe, you see from this, the Ba'inan Kos Noe. You should have a Choshev nice cup. Now you like beet silver, and you like glass, and you like... Okay, there's different beauties in the eyes of the beholder, and the bank account. But a nice cup. It's not, that's for sure not plastic or styrofoam. So Moshe was had one reason he did not like the idea of, of disposable. But there's an even more fundamental issue that some poskim raised. Source number 14 is the Minchas Yitzchak. Anyone? You know, no Manchester here, right? We don't have any... Right, Manchester's really from... Uh, Manchester is one of the firmest places outside of Israel you'll find. There's like Lakewood, Manchester, and then Meshar. Like, these are the big three of the whole world. Um, so in Manchester, the Rav there, after the war, who then became the head of the Eid Haredes, before of Starbuck, uh, now, uh, way before, was someone named Dayan Weiss. The Minchas Yitzchak. And uh, he was originally Eastern European, I think either Romanian or Hungarian. Uh, and the truth is, after the Holocaust, he was already a Chashavarov. He actually spent, I don't remember how long it was, but quite a bit of time just dedicated to helping women whose husbands disappeared in the Holocaust not be agunas. He was really very selfless for uh, some period of time. And I don't know the exact history, but somehow he got to England after the war. He's in Manchester, and then eventually they brought him to Meisharim, to the Eid Haredes. So here's a tshuva in source number 14, where he's very, very against disposable cups. And he says, you know why? Because you need a kli. Halachically, you need a vessel to hold the wine. Does that have a stem, not a stem? That doesn't matter. Again, it's red, it's yellow, it's silver, it's gold, it's wood. That doesn't matter. But there has to be a halachic status that this is a, a kli, this is a cup. If I somehow had you know, enough wine in my hands, that would not count. You need a cup for Kiddush. A kos, capital cuff. A kos, shalbracha. So he points out, well, we don't have time to get into the details, but he points out if you look in the laws of Tumah and Tahara, going back to the base of Megdash when we had to be careful about Tumah and Tahara, and Kalim could become Tameh in the time of the base of Megdash. But only someone gets an actual kli. So the Mishnah says, if you have a kli, or something that's made, a utensil in the time of the Mishnah, that was made out of some material which was so weak, so shvach, that it was clear that it was only made to be used once and it would be thrown out or fall apart, that's not a kli. Ooh, says the like, you know what that sounds like? A plastic cup. You drink it once, you throw it out. He, for, he therefore says you cannot make kiddush in a disposable cup. Because forget the fact that it's not chashuv, it's not pretty. That was where Moshe Feinstein's concern. He said, it's not a cup. I don't care what your eyes tell you. Your halachic glasses tell you this is not a cup. And therefore, you need a cup for kiddush, it doesn't count as a cup. He says, if you don't have anything else, maybe, maybe, okay. But he's really, really very against it for that reason. However, both in Rav Moshe Feinstein's case, and in, um, even Rav Moshe Feinstein just thinks it's preferable. But in the strict issue of the cup, most poskim are more lenient. Sorry. <laughs> Who are more lenient. Why? So I just gave you one example, source number 14, that's a 15, that Salyazari points out. Our disposable cups are definitely better than what the mission was talking about. Our disposable cups, and here I would add, not necessarily the cheap ones from Israel. <laughs> cheap ones from Israel are like those, you know, paper cups you used to get at the dentist's office. And they're like, <laughs> they disintegrate in your hand. They really might be a problem. But even the, the plastic ones in Israel, the cheap ones, and certainly the ones that are a little bit better, like they sell outside of Israel, it's true we buy them and throw them out. But they're not disposable per se. I had a Bubby who used to rewash them. It, the rest of the family get freaked out. Bubby, you don't have to wash, rewash the styrofoam. You don't have to wash the plastic. 
But you can, you can. Thank God we're rich. We're lazy. We throw things out. But says this, this is not what the mission was. The mission was talking about something that's going to fall apart in your hand. That you can't use it more than two or three times. It's not strong enough. A plastic cup can, a styrofoam can. And therefore, I think the more accepted halacha is that yes, Ramosha Feinstein is certainly correct. This is not ideal. And if you could just as easily, or even with a little effort, get a real cup, it's definitely better to get a real cup. And it'd be worth even waiting a minute or two, or if I, you know, get a cup, that's the nice way to do a mitzvah. You wouldn't want to use, you don't, you, we don't use a schlocky menorah. We, we, we don't want to beautify our mitzvahs. For sure, it'd be better. But if for whatever reason, you know, on a Shabbaton, or at a bar mitzvah, or at a Shul Kiddush, or whatever, all you have is the plastic, unless it's really going to fall apart, which is very, very rare, even in Israel, but certainly outside of Israel, you won't really find cups that week. Then Ikara, then I think you could use. And this Chumrah, which you may have heard of, the men in the Shul have heard me say this, this idea of a double cup, I told him I think it's silliness. If you hold it, a cup doesn't work. A plastic cup doesn't work. So two times, if it's a zero, then two times zero is also zero. If you hold it, works, then it works. And it's not all of a sudden choshev because it's a double. There is this schumer out there. I've seen it, and I sometimes add it on my action. If someone gives me the two cups, I'll have to separate them to show them that I think that's a silly chumra. But to be machmer, not to use the disposable. That's a good chumra. It's better not to use disposable. But if a person is in a situation where they need it, I think you can rely on it. Okay.